0: All
1: right, we are in Daniel. Yes. Now, where did we? um Five. Daniel five. How did we get through one through four? Did we do all one through four last week? Oh, no. really good. <laughs> quick a quick overview. Yeah. It's um. Uh, How
0: does that happen?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not. Never okay. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's finish the quick o- overview, and then we'll go back to the rest of the. We'll go back through Daniel in detail. Okay, uh, it's it's helpful to. Uh, can everybody hear me? Okay, all you old people, we're okay. All right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Online, can y'all hear? Okay. Okay. Um. Good um, meet Um. Daniel chapter two, beginning in verse uh, four. Daniel two. uh Daniel two, uh, yep, verse four. It says then the Chaldean spoke to the king in Aramaic. You see that in the Hebrew that go, well in the old in the in the original language that goes from Hebrew to Aramaic, okay? And that Aramaic runs all the way through chapter seven. Covers the visions in chapter two or the the dream in chapter two, and the uh, the visions of chapter seven, and then in chapter eight through twelve it goes back to Hebrew. Um, a lot of speculation as to why that is, but if you are reading your Bible, you've got some note that says something about Aramaic. I um, just wanted you to be aware of that. Okay? Uh, chapters two, well, really one through seven. If we look over to chapter uh, chapter eight, uh, in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king of uh, the king, the vision appeared to me, Daniel. Subsequent to the one which had Appeared previously. That's chapter, uh, chapter seven. And I looked in the vision. Became uh, it came about that when I was looking, that I was in the citadel of Susa, which is in the province of Elam. And I looked in a vision, and uh, I myself was beside uh, the uh, Ule canal, Ule River. And I lifted up up my gaze, and behold, a ram. Okay, this. from here on, this vision moves forward past Babylon to the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, okay? So remember uh, in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. Remember the dream, head of gold, chests of silver and so forth. Uh, and Daniel interprets the dream. And this is these are the kingdoms that are going to rule over the beautiful land. What's the beautiful land? The land of Israel uh, until uh, the rock cut out of the mountain comes that destroys all these kingdoms and then um, and then establishes a kingdom that will never perish. Okay, uh, so that's chapter chapter two uh, and uh, and the the uh, the vision chapter or the dream chapter two. Okay, chapter three. Then uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees uh, that he is. Thinks he's a big deal, and so he makes this uh, uh, makes this statue of gold, and he requires everyone to bow down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not. <clears throat> and so it's the fiery furnace story. Chapter four uh, is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He's prideful. The Lord removes him from his uh, from his kingdom and then restores him after he is humbled. Okay? And so the Lord is able to humble those who walk in pride. Remember all of this, whenever you're reading um, the Bible, keep in mind the original audience. Okay, What did the author want the original audience to do with this story, with this letter, with this gospel? Uh, before you ask, what am I supposed to do with it? Okay. Um, why was it important that the Israelites, who are the readers of this book of Daniel, know that God is able to humble those who walk in pride? Okay. Yeah, they were. Their kingdom was removed. They were taken taken into the wilderness, and then uh, the promise of restoration. But only they will only be restored when what? When they repent, return to the Lord, and and all that, okay? Um, Now, if you're prideful, will the Lord remove your kingdom and move you into the wilderness? And if you repent, no, uh, there are prideful people who live their whole life that way, and, and does that make sense? So there's no direct application or promise that if you do this, then the Lord will do that for us. Certainly there is for Israel, if they repent, the Lord will restore them from captivity, have compassion upon them, restore them to the kingdom. Uh, And that is clear, even from the beginning of the story, um, explicit in Deuteronomy, and then reminded of them all the way through the Old Testament and the prophet. And even true to death. That make sense? So When you're reading Philemon, don't forget that the book was written to, the letter was written to Philemon. Very good. Um, Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, Philippians. Got it? Okay. Uh, In each of these uh, books, there's an issue or problem that exists then and there that the author is addressing for them then and there. Now, we can draw conclusions from that helpful for how we're to live today. Okay um but it's more general in nature than very specific in those letters make sense okay now uh so chapter uh chapters two three and four deal with nebuchadnezzar then uh chapter five um um, and seven um Chapter five talks about the, the, the removal of, of, of Belshazzar, okay? But who's Belshazzar? Belshazzar is a grandson of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. It's 11 o'clock. Grandson. Um, Nebuchadnezzar's direct descendant, his name was Nabonidus, Nabonidus. He, he, he doesn't appear uh, uh, in the, the biblical story. Um, but we learned through archaeology that he became king, and he lived in self-exile on some uh, island. And Belshazzar was his son who ruled in his place. Um, Wait, is it a grandson? Or is it... Belshazzar is his is his grand is the grandson of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar? Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. Cool. Does it t- does it, So in in the, whenever the Bible says son of. Uh, it does not necessarily mean direct descendant of, or direct son of, son of David. Son of Abraham, son of David. Well, Christ is not the son of Abraham in the first generation sense, nor is he the son of David in the first generation sense. Does that make sense? In the line of David, in the line of this is more how the, um, how the Bible uh, uses that language. Okay. Um, so chapter five is the removal of Belshazzar, and chapter six then is the establishment of Darius the Mede. At the end of chapter five, Darius the Mede comes to power. Uh, chapter six, it seems good to Darius uh, the Medes and the Persians, uh, but then chapter seven goes back. So uh, it, this is different than the way we tend to tell stories. Um, we tend to tell stories chronologically, although, you know, you watch a movie and you'll get flashback or something like that. So we're aware of that. Uh, but this is not a, a book that goes from, it does not go chronologically. Okay. And you'll see this a lot in, um, in Hebrew storytelling, even in the New Testament. In Luke's gospel, it is not directly chronological. Um, a lot of it is, but not all of it. So you'll have these sections. They're going to pre- be presented in an orderly fashion. That's how Luke explains it, but not chronological. Does that make sense? For example, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, it begins with the birth announcement of John the Baptist, and then it records the birth announcement of Jesus. Now, that's chronological because Jesus is uh, born after John the Baptist. Then the birth of John the Baptist, and then the birth of Jesus, still chronological. But then it goes the ministry of John the Baptist, which ends in his imprisonment and beheading, and then the ministry of Jesus. Okay, so the ministry of John the Baptist ends in prison when he's beheaded. The ministry of Jesus and the Gospel of Luke begins at his uh, baptism. Okay, and so it's not exactly chronological, okay, because John the Baptist did baptize Jesus before his beheading, (laughs) which is the next verse. Does that make sense? Uh, So it's an orderly fashion, uh, uh, but it's not in chronological order. So chapter seven uh, goes back to a vision that Daniel saw in uh, during the time of Belshazzar the king. Uh, In chapter eight, another vision that he saw uh, the first, chapter seven, uh, it's the first division of Belshazzar uh, in the first year of Belshazzar the king. Daniel has the vision in chapter eight. This is the third year uh, of Belshazzar the king, okay? Then- Mike, Where does it go back to Hebrew? Uh, it goes in chapter eight. It goes back to Hebrew, okay? Okay. Chapter eight, verse one. So down from 728, it's uh, from 24 to 728. That's an Aramaic and then chapter eight to the end of the book, it's back in Hebrew again. There are only um, two major sections. Um, this being one of them, that are in Aramaic. The rest of the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament is all written in in Hebrew, except for this section and a little bit in Ezra, which you records don't. the actual decree to be returned. We don't have. It. <laughs> uh, it's just recording what. The text, what, what the decrees of the king actually were in Ezra. So it's you recording have. in Aramaic. Yes. Yeah. Was because Aramaic
0: yes.
1: Lingua franca. It was the language of the day. So uh, um, so when you get, for example, uh, just by way of aside, so when w- if you are not aware of this, then some of this might not make any, uh, any sense to you. Let's see. This, where are we in this? English, this, uh, here we go. Um, my English Bible is always out of order for me. Uh, so in, uh, in Ezra, Nehemiah, you get over to Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, okay? Uh, this is uh, Israel has returned to the land they're at the water gate Uh, remember Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai they're rebuilding the city, rebuilding the walls and um, um, and Ezra the priest stands up, he opened the book in the sight of all the people this is in chapter 9 8 of uh, Nehemiah 8.5 opened up the book in the sight of all the people standing above all the people and he opened it and stood up Um, uh, this is where we get expository preaching from actually Um, uh, If you go back a little bit uh, in the previous verse, uh, 8.4 says, Ezra the scribe stood a wooden podium which he made for the purpose beside him and and he stood all of uh, these people. And he opened the book in the sight of all the people and was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people said, amen, amen, while they were lifting up their hands, they bowed down low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse eight, and they uh, read from the book, from the law of God, translating, giving the sense, so that uh, uh, they understood the reading. See, the people when they come back from captivity are speaking Aramaic, not Hebrew, and so the priest is explaining to them. He's reading and translating, basically, okay. um, um, so that they would understand. So that they would uh, would uh, would, yeah. it would make sense. Uh, and so the when when Israel comes back, they're speaking Aramaic. In fact, uh, if we look uh, here, uh, this these uh, this is Hebrew. Kinda. <laughs> Um, it's Hebrew, but it's not in Hebrew font. So our Old Testament Hebrew is actually Aramaic letters. It's not Hebrew letters. Uh, in other words, um, if Moses or David or any of the pre-exilic uh, Jews wrote Hebrew, they wouldn't write that. That was that's Aramaic letters. Okay? transliterated um, you know what I mean by transliterated they took there's direct correspondence between the Hebrew letter and a and an Aramaic letter they just transliterated they put the, the Aramaic letters letters in because that's what the people knew after they got back from uh, um, from captivity and see all of these dots and lines mm-hmm. around all this stuff you know that dot there that dot that dot these two dots this all this stuff. This is the vowel system and accent. That's an accent. Vowel system and accenting for um people online can't see this, uh, I just realized. Um, they're going, man, that's great. Um, um, this here, okay, so, so, so this, these are the, the you know, this is a, a baked sheen, known to in the third year of the kingdom of uh, of, uh, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. Um, The all of these dots around this, this was a vowel system, a pointing system that was created so that um, the the Jews that had came back to the land um, could pronounce the Hebrew. Because they had totally lost their language.
0: It's older,
1: Hebrew or Aramaic. Um, they're, they're both uh, pretty, pretty old, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're both Semitic languages, but they're by Semitic. I mean, Arabic would be in there, Aramaic, uh, Moabite, Edomite, Canaanite languages, all of these languages are the eight languages, and they're all very similar and related. Uh, all that to say that when you're reading over there in Ezra, uh, they were making sense of it. What are they doing? That's why. Okay, and so there's a good history going on here. Um, and so in chapters two through seven, this part of the book of Daniel is written in Aramaic. Then it returns back to Hebrew. There are just by um, um, parenthetical. Uh, there, I was looking for a marker. There are some a few words that you probably know in Aramaic. Um, uh, one is Abba, father. You know, A B B A, Abba, father. Uh, it is, does not mean daddy or something like that. That's not what it means. Uh, the A B is Ab or Av. How you pronounce it in Hebrew? That that means father. In Hebrew, it would be Haav, the father. Uh, in Aramaic, so the definite article Ha, that Ha part, Haav. That's the that's the father. Um, in Aramaic, the definite article goes on the end. The the a ah at the end, Abba. Ah, the end a ah is the father. Um, the the b doubles in the middle. A B B A. Uh, Abba ah, is the father. Um, bar Abbas, Bar Barabas, Barab Barabas Barabas. Uh, Barabbas. That's not how you would translate the right. Barabbas. Barabbas. The emphasis always at the end. Barabbas. The S comes from from. Uh, thank you, man. The, the S comes from Greek. Um, so drop that. Bar means son. Abba, son of the father. All right? Do you remember the story uh where uh, the Jews are trying to. to um they're crying out to crucify Jesus, and there's this uh, this tradition that they're to deliver one or, or uh, free one, and they cry out, give us uh, bar Abbas, give us the son of the father, rather than, and crucify the son of the father, the true son of the father. It's really great irony there, mm-hmm. but, uh, but anyway, so. So is Yiddish in that? No, Yiddish is, um, So when Israel returned back to the land in 1948, they actually created, recreated Hebrew. The problem is, um, so all the Hebrew words that were in the Bible, they use those words the same way. But there's a lot of words that aren't in Hebrew Bible. Um, Automobile, bus, you know, uh, computer, right? So what do you do with that?
0: What was the parking?
1: Place. Yeah, so I was looking. I remember one of the times I was in Israel. i was sitting there, just kind of. we were gotten back on the bus. I was sitting there, looking out the window, and I'm looking at this sign. and I'm going, "What does that say?" <laughs> machane was the the uh, second word. Machane is uh, 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 is a camping place. It's a place where Israel camped in the wilderness. That's how it's used in the Old Testament. Place where Israel camped, and uh, it was autobus machane. I'm yeah. going. Yeah, it's the place where the bus camps. It's the (laughs) parking spot for the bus. I'm going, well, that's creative. (laughs) And so they had to to make up words um, or use words in a different way than they're used in the Bible. And if all you know is biblical Hebrew, then it becomes uh, pretty um, interesting translations. Um, The first year I was there, I was looking at a... a, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It was, a, it was a poster there. And they had sounded out in Hebrew letters, Indiana Jones. There's no J, so they use a Yod for the J. Uh, that's why we, how we get Jehovah, right? Uh, there's, no, there's no Y in German, uh, and so the Y becomes a J in German. Um, that's how we get Jehovah, longer story. But anyway, so uh, temple as hekel in Hebrew, uh, it was in, in, yin yana yons va and ha hekel the temple uh, hekel ha hekel doom the the temple of doom. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mess. So so they're using words in a very creative way. So Yiddish is. A, is a brand new language but related to Old Testament uh, Hebrew. So when they start yammering and talking I can make out about a third of their words as long as they're using biblical Hebrew. They're talking about computers and internets and traffic and there's no traffic word in the Old Testament or right? that I can think of. So anyway. Okay. Back to uh back to Dan. Okay. So so uh so the, the visions in chapter 7 and chapter 8, these are visions that Daniel <clears throat> saw uh, during the Babylonian empire. Remember this is 70 years under Babylonian captivity. Uh, and then <clears throat> Cyrus is the one who's going to make the decree to turn, return Israel back to the land at least in part, not in total, but in part in 539. BC so we're, we're mentioned uh, 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 Cyrus uh, uh, okay so uh, so at the end of the 70 years then in chapter 9, Darius the Mede is now reigning uh, and um, and the question becomes oh, wait a second we just finished the first nation, The first beast of the four beasts that are going to rule over the land. Um, The head of gold in chapter 2. What's going on here? And so Daniel um, prays to the Lord. Uh, He's reading in the book the number of years 70. He says, I haven't misinterpreted that. 70 years we're supposed to go back, but Israel hasn't repented. Okay, and so only a small number uh, goes back to the land uh, under Cyrus the decree of Cyrus and there's you're, you're going to get several decrees that are going to restore Israel
0: oh. <laughs>
1: getting feedback through someone's uh, uh, the deal there. Well, was, that was something. All right, can y'all still hear me? Okay. Okay. That was. Uh, what was I saying? Yep. Can you hear you? That was a long time ago. i already lost my. Memory. Cyrus partial restoration. Several decrees. that are going to come in the Old Testament. That are going to restore Israel to the land. Rebuild the temple. Rebuild well. Rebuild the walls. Then rebuild the temple. Okay. Uh, and so. <clears throat> these are going to come in succession, but Israel is not going to be. But um, Messiah, the Prince, will not come in chapter nine until after these seventy sevens, at least sixty-nine of the sevens have taken place, beginning with the uh, restoration to rebuild the temple, four forty-four B.C. Okay, right. so chapter uh, chapter ten. Um, in chapter eleven, chapter eleven, uh, the rule of, uh, of Persia, uh, and then Greece. Okay, uh, and in chapter eleven, now if, if you're looking in your Bible, uh, and I don't, I, I'm a I am do not know, if you've got a, a, a section that introduces each book where it talks about the dating of the book. Okay, uh, does anybody have that? What what does it say the date of Daniel is? I'm interested. The date of the Book of Daniel. Five thirty-seven. Six oh seven. Six oh seven is when Daniel's exile begins. Uh, he, he Five thirty-seven. Okay. Uh, you may have, or you may see mention of the dates one sixty-five to one sixty-four B.C. Okay. Um, if you see that. Uh, That is the, how do I say this? There's a, among critical scholars, there's a consensus among critical scholars that the book of Daniel was not actually written by Daniel, but it was written much after the fact, and it was written in 164 BC. So if you run across that, let me explain what's going on. In chapter 10, up until verse 35, um, I'm sorry, 11.35, up, at chapter 11, um, where he starts to talk about uh, the rule of Persia in 1 and 2, then the rule of Greece in 3 and following up until verse 35 in chapter 11. There is great detail about what happened exactly in history, okay, up until 164. Then, uh, says the critic, Daniel began to get it wrong. Um, and so the, the argument goes that it wasn't really Daniel, it was someone writing, saying they were Daniel, presenting what was happened already in the past as future in, in relation to Daniel. Okay? Uh, critical scholars reject prophetic utterance, that, that, that prophets can't say something in the future and they reject miracles. If there are no miracles, and there's no such thing as real prophecy, then this has to be written after the fact. Um, But where Daniel starts to, quote, get it wrong, is in 11.35, 11.36, all the way down through the end of chapter 11 and into chapter 12. But if you'll notice, at the end of 11.35, um, it says... um, uh, and some of those who have insight will fall and, uh, in order to refine and purge and make pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. You see the appointed time? Okay. And so now um, Daniel is looking forward to this 70th week. Then the king will do as he pleases. Okay. Um, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished, for that which is decreed will be done. And he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or the desire of women, uh, nor shall he show regard for any other god, but he will magnify himself above them all. But instead, uh, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god uh, whom his fathers did not know, and he, will, uh, and he will honor him with gold and silver and costly stones and treasures, and he will take action against the strongest of fortresses with the help of a foreign god. And he will give great honor to those who acknowledge him, and he will cause them to rule over the many, and will parcel out the land for a price. And at the end time, the king of the south will collide uh, with him, and the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, with horsemen, with many ships, uh, and he will enter countries overflow and pass through. And he will enter the beautiful land. What's the beautiful land? And many countries will fall, and these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom and Moab, uh, the foremost of the sons of Ammon. And he will stretch out his hand against the other countries. The land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver and above all precious things of Egypt, the Libyans and the Ethiopians, uh, at his heels. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him, and he will go forth with great wrath and destroy and annihilate many. And he will pitch his tents, uh, pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. And he will come uh, to his end, and no one will help him. Now, at this time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress, which has never occurred until uh, there was a nation until that time. Uh, and at the time of your people, everyone whose name found written in the book will be rescued. Everyone whose name is found written in the book. What book is this? The book of life will be rescued. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, to everlasting life. Uh, but others to disgrace and everlasting content. Everlasting life, if you're ever reading the Gospel of John, this is where John gets the phrase. Whoever believes them shall not perish, but have
0: everlasting life.
1: This is the phrase. Okay? Um, they will not sleep in the dust of the ground, but they will be raised to everlasting life. Resurrection of the dead, eternal life. Um, the first time everlasting life appears, <clears throat> at least that phrase, is in Genesis chapter 3 when, when uh, the Lord cast men and women out of the garden, lest they send, for, uh, send forth their hand and take and eat from the tree and live forever, live forever, have everlasting life, right? And so they're kicked out so that they will die, faith in Christ for resurrection of life, eternal life um, in the land, right? So the story is about resurrection. Okay, tracking. Am I making sense? Okay, so uh, so Daniel in chapters 8 through 11 is going to go into great detail about these kingdoms that are going to come after Babylon. Then his focus will turn to the end time, the 70th week uh, in the 1136, 35B, how we would say that, second half of 35 Uh, 1136 all the way down through chapter 12. Make sense? All right, what questions so far? I have a question. Go
0: ahead. Um, In chapter 6, verse 18, where that decree was sent out and there were conspirators to uh, make trouble for Daniel by going to the king and saying, okay, okay, 30 days, everybody should bow down to you. Yes. And so they were trying to get, somehow get Daniel thrown off uh, from his uh, power that he had. And Darius fasting. So was that a cultural thing and not something that maybe they picked up about fasting? Because uh,
1: Esther, they fasted during the time that the Jews are now. Okay. Um, all right, so class, let me repeat it for, for those of you online, they didn't hear it. So in chapter six, remember chapter six, this is uh, the story of uh, Darius uh, and uh, Daniel in the lion's den, right? And, um, and I guess there's one thing that's helpful to know uh, is that the laws of the Medes and the Persians meant that, that even the king couldn't change a decree or a law. Even the king was held subject to the law. He was not above the law. Heard that a lot in the last few years. Yeah, you? yeah. Heard that yeah. where have you heard that, right? Um, ironically it seems some are, but you know uh, but um, you know so in this way the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians is inferior to Babylon. And in Greece and in Rome. Okay? Uh, but, uh, but be careful of reading too much of the background into it. Okay? Is this cultural thing or not? Uh, so you're asking about chapter 6, verse uh, 18, where the king spent the night fasting, uh, uh, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Go back up a few verses. Look at verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, he himself will deliver you. The stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring uh, so that he... uh, in the ring of the nobles so that uh, nothing might be changed in regard to Daniel. That's all familiar to you, stone rolled in front, sealed with the signet ring. Um, what you find throughout this story is that, that, that God knows what's coming. And you see this great irony all the way through here. I had a, we were doing uh, a bad, not bad, Hosea. Was that last week? I was teaching Hosea and talks about three days, yet in three days, yet in three days. Uh, And if you do a search in the Old Testament uh, for three days being significant, I think it shows up about 60 times. Uh, Fourth day, on the third day, about 60 times. Fourth day shows up like six times. The fifth day, about six times, the sixth day. And it's always in the same, right? But the, uh, the first day, the third day, and the seventh day, those are big days. In the Old Testament, um, as they are in the New Testament as well. But anyway, um, so so the king is fasting on behalf of Daniel, that Daniel will not be destroyed. So yeah, so he no entertainment before the king uh sleep uh, he didn't sleep that night and as soon as uh daybreak as soon as the the dawn he went as fast as he could to uh, the lion's den and when he came near to the den of daniel he cried out being troubled and the king spoke (laughs) to daniel and said daniel servant of the living god has your god whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions, and Daniel spoke uh, and said to the king, O king, live forever, May God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth, same angel that was in chapter two in the fiery furnace, the same angel here, uh, and I have not been harmed in so much as I have been found innocent before you, and towards you, O king, I have committed no crime." The king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. And Daniel was taken up uh, out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him because he trusted in his God. And the king gave orders. Right. Uh, So here's the new decree. This is in chapter uh, um, 6, verse 26. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. He is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion is forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian, right? So the Medes and the Persians. Why do the Jews need to hear this? I mean, they're hearing the Lord, uh, they're hearing Nebuchadnezzar's proclamations in regards to the Lord God of Daniel and the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Belshazzar is being judged and removed. Darius is established. Um, So who is it that sets up kings and takes down kings? It's not the gods of the nations. It's the Lord God of Israel. Um, The one in... uh, In whom Nebuchadnezzar fears, Belshazzar comes to fear, um, and um, and uh, Darius fears. Uh, Who doesn't fear him? (laughs) Israel. Yeah, Israel is not fearing the Lord. They're not returning to the Lord. Uh, Okay. So So, in
0: six twenty three, when it says. um, yeah, so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever be found on him because he had trusted him in God. So when we take that and apply it to us, why is that not a good idea? Or can we or
1: can we not do that? Okay. Well no injury
0: will come to me if I trust in God. Explain. It? Uh that will not work.
1: <laughs> yeah, explain that. Well, you explain it. Why doesn't that work?
0: <laughs> well
1: yeah, you're not you're not uh, how many promises in the Bible are given to you? Well, the list is pretty short. right? Um, can you name uh, a promise to you? Yeah. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from the line. No. Shall be saved from what? Eternal death. Absolutely. Yeah. Others, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, okay, let's talk about that one. Has the do we do we have the holy the promise of the Holy Spirit to reveal God's truth to us? Yes. What does that look like? It looks like this. I saw this great. Um, uh, thing in uh, on Facebook says, uh, uh, how did it go? Something like there's these two people talking. Uh, one guy's uh, one pariah guys is One person's there, uh, and he's reading his Bible, and the other one says, you know, I want to hear from the Lord. Hear God
0: speak.
1: Hear God speak to me. And, and so this one says to this one, then read your Bible. Says no, no, I want to hear it out loud. And then this one says to this one, well, then read your Bible out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, often, what we have, it, okay, time out. We're now we're going to talk about this discussion because this is an important one. Um, time we got plenty. We got okay. Um, often, you will hear in church that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you all truth. Something like that. Is that about how it goes or uh helped you call to your remembrance all that you know, you know. Uh, or that um, it's it's called the the, uh, the the doctrine of illumination. Maybe you've heard it that way. All right. Uh the Holy Spirit revealed his word to the apostles and prophets. For whose benefit? Yeah, anyone who reads it. Okay. Um, So how do you know about the Lord? If you don't have this book, Words of the Apostles and Prophets, what do you have? Is there anywhere you can go to learn about the Lord? other than the Bible, other than the words of the apostles and prophets. There's nothing. We got nothing. right? Um, now, does everyone, do all believers agree in what this book says? No. You okay. are all believers and dwell with the Holy Spirit. Yes. If all believers are indwelled with the Holy Spirit because we're all in one body, that is the body of Christ, yet all believers do not agree on what this book says, is the problem with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, So what has happened? And this is how we kind of got here. Okay. Um, If we go back uh, a thousand years, it's a decent chunk, but it's not 2,000 years. Um, but if we go back from the time of the early church until the first major church split, a 1,000, okay, was <clears throat> there a printing press? No. Did people have their own copy of the Bible? No. no. Could most people read? No. 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 Okay. So you can't read. Uh, even if you could read, you didn't have your own copy of the Bible. The only place you had a, there was a copy of the scriptures was where? In the synagogue. In the synagogue. Or, uh, and who had access to that? The average Joe doesn't come off the street and say, hey, let me read that Isaiah thing again. That's not how it works. Okay? How did people learn the scriptures? Yeah. Okay. It was taught to them. Okay. Uh, it was read to them extended passages of reading you see in church history. Um, they're very different than what we're doing today. Um, if the congregation met, they would read giant passages of scripture at length with very little comment, right? Maybe translated to make the sense of it, but not sermons like we do today. Um, there might be a uh, short response to the reading that would be called. Help me out, Catholics. Mm-hmm. On Connelly? Connelly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, and so, the pastor's words were a response to the Word of God. They didn't, they weren't intermixed, so to speak, right? The word was read, and what was responded to. Then you'll see, uh, even in uh, in churches, um, elevated place, pulpit, where the word came down from heaven to the people, and the response was on the people's level. You'll see this in uh, Lutherans, two pulpits, right? What happens on this one?
0: The word is on the left yeah. and the readings
1: are on the right. Good. As you face as that, it, faces, yes. I mean, as, 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 as I'm
0: facing it, the, the word is on the right, the readings are on
1: the right. That's left. exactly right. It went from this to this, interestingly, in the Reformation, mm-hmm. uh, to this to this. <laughs> Huh. Right? Um, All that to say um, that uh, the question then becomes if everybody now has a copy of the Bible in their translation, okay? Uh, In other words, um, I love it when people say, well, all I need is me and the Bible and the Holy Spirit uh and i will do this i say okay go <laughs> well i can't read that well why can't you read that Those um did god not inspire the bible in that so are you saying the holy spirit doesn't know that or is it you that doesn't know that right I mean, you can sit uh, for quite a while and pray that the Lord would illumine the truth to you, and you can stare at that till Christ returns, and it's not going to make any sense to you. Fair? Um, But the question becomes in church history, well, if everybody has their own personal Bible and now their own personal quiet time and their own time to read the Bible and interpret for themselves, then who's going to guide them in their interpretation? And the answer becomes, the Holy Spirit will guide you in your interpretation. Now what we learn from church history is that there are two things that we find in common throughout church history. Uh, Every heretic throughout the history of the church had two things in common. Their own copy of the Bible and enough time to read it for themselves. (laughs) you know, this is not the way it works, right? Uh, so we read it, and so this is a, uh, something that is to, to, be, to be taught. Uh, I, I never understood at the time uh, our church history uh, professor said what we need to do in the church is take up all the Bible, just hand them in, just pass them up to the front. Uh, and once you have learned how to uh, understand the Bible Christianly, then we will give them back to you so that you can read them for yourself. But we're not training people how to read the scriptures, are we? We're doing something else. I don't know what we're doing, but it's not that, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And so uh, because of of what we've done, with the scriptures and they say, well, they're hard to understand all this, well, the Spirit will guide me in all truth. Well, as soon as you say, the Spirit will guide me in all truth, well, then you don't need this. Um, Where is truth revealed? Here. Where else? Is there anywhere else, anywhere else, that truth is revealed? Well, we don't value it very much then, do we? If we're not spending our time learning this, then we're spending our time not learning the truth. Seems to me. right. So I would agree with the, that the Spirit has revealed, but He revealed to who? The
0: apostles,
1: the apostles and prophets, okay? Uh, the Spirit Uh, revealed the word of the Lord to the apostles and prophets. The word of the Lord came to fill in the blank during the reign of, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, and fill in the blank, saying, write this, that's exactly what Habakkuk says. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Write these things, why? So that Israel will know them, so that my people will know them and respond to them. These things were to be taught by the elders in Israel and by the elders in the church. So yeah, I agree, but uh, with the statement, but I don't agree with the statement as it has come to be understood, in American evangelical individualistic "I am my own faith barometer, truth detector, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit," and there is no other.
0: In yeah. In Acts 8, it kind of summarizes what you're saying. Philip was running up to the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch. Right. And, and it says, um,
1: Read Isaiah. The
0: spirit, then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join. Philip ran up and said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, Well, how could I? And somebody who asked me. The Spirit told Philip. So,
1: yeah, he's, yeah. Reading, he's reading the book of Isaiah there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Can they see? Yeah, they can still see him. Yeah, They can still see him. Okay, good.
0: What about um, you know I'm trying to go back to your question about Daniel and the Lions. Is that not kind of the the general um, thing that we can take from Daniel and the Lions maybe not specifically that we can also have to protect it, but that that we can put ourselves in a position of praying trusting the faith that we're learning about, um, allowing God to
1: rescue us from precarious situations? Maybe not all, but through and from. Um, I know I get it wrong. Probably not but maybe. Let me explain what I mean. Um, if well, let's go through the store, OK? Um, could anybody else go up on the mountain but Moses? Yeah. No. Well, why
0: not? Okay. Yeah.
1: Here's a big one: David and Goliath. All right, anybody else in the nation walk out there and stands in front of Goliath. What's going to happen? Why? Why? anything to do with well, faith is faith is is a a, is a big part of it. But there is a prior prerequisite to faith in this story. Choose one man from among yourself. Who's the one that they're going to choose from among themselves? Not choose anyone. You've got to choose one man. They choose the anointed. Now, who had had the the anointed removed? In the previous chapter, Saul. Now, why was Saul chosen to be king over Israel? To fight our battle for (laughs) us. Choose the king to fight our battles for us, like the other kings of the nations. And so when the, the decree goes out, choose one man from among yourself. We got the, you know, we've got, you know, got Goliath the fool. Who do you have? They go, hey Saul, you up? Saul's not hanging <laughs> out there. Why not?
0: Because
1: yeah. I'm going to die. Why? Because the Lord just removed the anointing. And I'm a dead man walking. And so David walks in. Right. the anointed. So he's going to fight the battles on behalf of Israel. Anybody else goes in front of Goliath guess what's going to happen. You get all the faith in you want and it ain't going to matter because no one else had that promise but David the king. Okay. Um, use the illustration of uh, it, Forget David the Goliath. If you stand in front of J.J. Watt, You can have all the faith you want. You're gonna get your clock clean. <laughs> I, I think JJ Watt could take all of us in the room.
0: Not Johnny Baker. Yeah, okay. No.
1: Not Johnny Baker of the day. The Johnny Baker of today. Klingler of today, all of y'all yeah, he can wipe us out. It'd be a it'd be a mess in here. Okay? But um but the point was always about the king, the priest, the prophet who was speaking on behalf of Israel, operating on behalf of Israel, and through Daniel's ministry, through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is how the kings were coming to know and how Israel was to come to know that they were to repent and return to the world. And did some people, did any, how many people perished in the wilderness? How many people perished during the time of the exile? A bunch. A bunch. Um, did this promise work for John the Baptist? I mean, John the Baptist is in prison, and he's quoting verses, isn't he? You know, uh, if you look at, uh, hold your finger and turn over to Isaiah, okay? This is important to think here, all right uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 is Israel's in exile. Chapter 40, uh, comfort, comfort, my people, Israel," says the Lord. A voice calling in the wilderness. John is the voice calling in the wilderness, right? Uh, and uh, and he's the one who's going to uh, make this uh, this plea to the Lord. Okay. Then in uh, so so he is the voice crying in the wilderness. Then in chapter sixty, I'm sorry, sixty one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a. a um, Uh, servant song, this is the the Christ, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Christ, uh, because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Now, where's John in, uh, John's in prison, is he not? So John the Baptist says, excuse me, Jesus, but um, do your job, all right? Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Did it work for John the Baptist? Was John the Baptist delivered? No. Was Paul delivered? Peter? Stephen? Jesus? None of them were. Because the story is not about preservation of this life. It is about preservation of life to come. So um, Abraham, Abraham wasn't protected because, he was the prophet. because he was because he was the prophet. Now uh, they didn't they didn't have the guarantee. And right. you remember back in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when he says, "Our God is able to deliver us." Mm-hmm. Is is God able, able, able to deliver you? you? Of yes. course. Absolutely. Is He required to deliver you? Oh. No. Right. And even if He doesn't, know this. We will not bow down to your god. Right? Um, I don't know if you remember this story. Back, uh, it's been a few years ago now. Uh, It was on the news where these believers were. They, I think, they were in Egypt. They were lined up on the shore of Egypt on their knees with their head covered. Uh, It seemed like their head was covered. Uh, and uh, they were told uh, to worship, uh, reject Christ and worship uh, Allah, or they would be beheaded. And their response was, no. we will not. And their end was, beheaded. Yeah. Um Is that the end? No, that's not, not the end. Resurrection of the dead, eternal life, right? So uh, uh, David was unique. David carried the promise, right? David was the carrier of the messianic promise. He was going to have a son before, at least one, before he died. Why? Because he's the carrier, as it was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? And you notice after the Abraham story and after Abraham uh, has Isaac, and then the focus of the camera stays on Isaac. Jacob's going to, or uh, Abraham's going to live for another sixty years or so, but we, we don't care about away. Really. We're, we're done with you because now the promise—it's not that Abraham wasn't a nice guy; I'm sure he did some nice stuff—but the story is focused on the promise of Christ, and so now the focus is on Isaac. Why? Because he's the carrier of the promise, and it's going to stay on Isaac until he has a son. And then it's going to go to Jacob. And then, to, Does that make sense? We're not, look, we're not the carriers of the promise in the sense that the holy uh, seed is coming through us. It's already come. We're the carriers of the gospel. But many have perished, being carriers of the gospel. Does that make sense? So what promises do you have? This one. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, Habakkuk, uh, remember the the righteous man shall live by faith. That's how they translate it. Um, That's really not how it reads in the Hebrew or anywhere in the New Testament where it's translated. Literally, it's translated, he who is righteous shall live. That's your promise. The one who is righteous by faith will live. Eternal life, resurrection of the dead. Does that mean you won't have cancer? No, you get cancer. You'll get old, you'll get fat, you'll get gray, you'll get tired, you'll run and you'll get sore. or you know, whatever. It's just hitting home right now because I'm trying to get back in shape. I'm going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm need some results here. I'm going back to chicken fried steak. <laughs> yeah, there's no promises there. Night, the yeah, I think it was a sign. I said, I've had enough. We're going to Dairy Queen. And we went to Dairy Queen, and the line was around the building. Dairy Queen's not the fastest drive through. Uh, Dairy Queen needs to hire Chick-fil-A. Chick fil A. Whoever's running Chick fil A needs to be running the government. Anyway. Um, okay, is this making sense? Okay.
0: I have one more question. In Daniel five five, you know, when you write on the board, I see this part of it, right? But in five five, it mentioned that he saw the back of mm-hmm. Is there a significance in, in that? Because um, I'm like the one. This the back. Yeah. Is it the back?
1: This is, yeah, this is the Yeah, yeah this the back of the head is this, the okay. is a, <laughs> yeah, um the
0: uh
1: this way. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, right to left. Everything is backwards mm-hmm. in uh, in English. Yep, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Um Okay. Um, What about others about Christ? Um, It says that the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, Then the Holy Spirit will have to send them to the Bible. Right. Is that what we're talking about? Say again. uh, The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. Yes. Convict the
1: world of sin. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: So then we have to
1: send them to the Bible. No. That's what we do. But that's not what we should do. Um, but
0: we said before that, that that's how we...
1: Yes. So, so what I'm saying is we, we say, uh, you know, believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. We go, Okay, I believe. Okay, here you go. Good luck. Use the force. You know, we can't do that. So. <laughs> um, um, go unto the world and hand out copies of the Bible. I think that's how the Great Commission reads.
0: Maybe.
1: make disciples. Okay? And, and so uh, there was no copy of the Bible to be handed out for the first 1600, 1700, 1800. I mean, by the time that, that the Bible is cheap enough for the average person to own, it's way past the printing press. I mean, a, the printing press was just the beginning of the possibility. But, they, you know, a, a, your own copy of the scriptures for another a uh, thousand years was way, way, way out of reach for the average person to be able to purchase. Now they're everywhere, they're on the internet, they're free, and you know, you know, view it very differently, okay? Um, I, ideally? Um, Be taught in the community of believers, the church.
0: Okay.
1: But, but how about um, we, as Christians, we read the Bible, and that's how the Holy Spirit comes
0: to us, right? That, is, it, is that what we
1: say? The There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get myself in trouble in the last couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> well, no. Um, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> Okay, which Bible? Let me just get, tease some questions. Which Bible are you reading? The Living Translation? The Message? King James?
0: So we'll at New King, King about, James? The word that you had
1: a, well, you can't read that one. It's, it's, in, it's in Greek, it's in Hebrew. You can't read it. All right. um, there was a time when. This is why we trained pastors in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, so that they could read it, so that they could tell you this is what it says, and this is why it says it, and this is how it relates. What
0: about the Bereans? They searched the scriptures
1: yeah. yeah, to see were Yeah, uh, they were in the synagogue. There was, the only copy of the scriptures was in the synagogue. They so, did say the Berean priests, so the Bereans. Yeah, but they, they uh, they, it they would only be in the synagogue. They didn't have the Berean, the, the first Berean edition of the Bible, right? They were in the synagogue. And, and so the, the Jews in the synagogue, these were more noble minded Jews than those that were in Thessalonica. This is in Acts chapter 17. Um, and so they were searching the scriptures to see if Paul, remember, Paul was there teaching these things for weeks and they were searching the scriptures to see if what they're saying, Paul, we hear what you're saying. And they're going back and they're checking it in the synagogue.
0: That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, uh, that's a good thing. So uh, they were, yeah, they were in the, the now the Jews by this time uh, were able to read the scriptures in the original language to see if what Paul was saying. Was so, and of course, Paul was a, uh, uh, a Pharisee who had been trained in the Old Testament scriptures. Is this making sense? Okay. So um, this opens up a whole ton of questions now in our Protestant, American, individualistic, everybody's own belief system, everybody's own copy of the Bible. And now, who do you listen to? And and average Joe doesn't have the equipment to evaluate this stuff, right? It's the reason I went to seminaries because I got tired of listening to. 40 different views on everything that was being said, right? And so it wasn't just learning the scriptures, but once you learn what has the church always said about these things, always, then it becomes pretty clear, right? Unfortunately, all of the churches from the Reformation have kind of gone their own path and their own way. And so now if you're over here in some little Methodist church in some little town somewhere, you believe this. But if you're in a Methodist church in another town, you believe this. And if you're in a Lutheran church, you certainly believe something different. If you're in a Catholic church, you believe something different altogether. And then you've got your missionary Baptist and your first Baptist and your Southern Baptist, and North yeah. there's like 40,000, I think, denominations now. 40,000. That's 40,000 different views. And then you go inside of those 40,000 different denominations. Everybody's got their own value, their own topic, their own Holy Spirit, and they got their own goofy views. And it's like, Pandora's box. You know, how do we come back together uh, and start reading it again? And so that's what we're, that's, that's, that's a, the genie's kind of out of the bottle and have to get it back in there, right? Um, And that's what we're trying to to accomplish. Um, For me, the way that you read it is it ought to make sense, right? If one sentence goes to the next sentence, goes to the next sentence, and these things aren't making sense to you, Probably not reading it right. Fair. You
0: wrote me a certificate about
1: a year ago when you were running the church that day. You listed. When I was running the
0: church that day, <laughs> I love that day. I was running the church that day. <laughs> church that day. Church. <laughs> you listed All the churches out of the phone
1: book. Oh yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the day I was preaching, I listed all the churches. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all of the churches. My favorite uh, on the list was uh, Church's Chicken. <laughs> I was looking, I pulled up Church, uh, for Church, uh, and it had all, just in Little Town of Brennan, there was like 30 or 40 of them, and the favorite listing was Church's Chicken, and they were closed on Sunday. It was the only church that was closed on Sunday. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, next week. Uh, we're out of time. So next week, we will go, uh, well, I want to go back through chapter by chapter and make sure that you're understanding game Okay, so we're going to do Daniel chapter one next. week. We're going to go into detail chapter one. Good? Good. Yeah, we circle pretty. back around some
0: of these
1: questions too. Yes. Yeah, and look, if, if this doesn't make sense to you, don't stop looking. uh, Don't let this be whiplash to you where you're going, oh, it's, it's what are we talking about here? The Holy Spirit isn't, you know, Keep that, and we'll talk about it. If we need to take a time out and talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit for a week, that'd be great. We can go through, and we can show you the different passages of what the Bible actually says the Holy Spirit's doing, and what uh, what do we say the Holy Spirit's doing? Yeah, you want to do that next week?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so 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 we'll take a one week pause. Where next week we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Do not forget that, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, not in the individual life of the believer apart from the body as they read the Bible for themselves to get their own interpretation. And you need to do a how the, the, the Spirit ministers in the body, and because the Spirit ministers in the body, and you are an individual member of the body, then Since you have a part of the body, the Spirit's ministry through you to the building up of the body. It's always about the building up of the body of Christ. And you serve a part in that. Good? Next week. We
0: can finish that before thanks.
1: Lord, thanks for our time uh, for these folks. Uh, And Lord, we uh, thank you in advance for our discussion next week. Uh, Guide us through that in Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks
1: guys, have a great week.